So we are continuing with our series on the newness of life, and it's been great to be reminded of God's heart, that he wants to do business with us. He wants to give us new life. Jesus said, I want for my children to have life, and that life with abundance. So um, we were just trying to a little bit unfold and give the direction for where the theme is going. And um, I thought that perhaps today will be um, okay to, 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 to deal with some examples of the Old Testament. Now, um, if, we, if we wanted to go through the Old Testament, I don't think it's fair that we just stop with these three that I've chosen today. But um, I, I just thought perhaps it's, it's a good start. I think as we develop the team and as we, the theme and as we develop where God is leading us, uh, I'm sure that we'll have other opportunities to be reminded of other situations or other people or other groups of people that have experienced the, the newness of life. Um, if you can remember from uh, last Sunday, uh, we, we stopped a little bit at the, at the new life that, that Jesus gives, and, uh, and we stopped at Romans 6, 4. We talked about the newness of life, and uh, as a story to, to back that up, we, we were reminded of the story of the prodigal son, and uh, the, the whole idea was that this love of God is, is expressed uh, because the, the arms of God are unconditional, and they're waiting for the prodigals. They're waiting for people to turn to him and to, to embrace and work on that basis. So, so the new start is when you say yes to those arms of God that are stretched to you. Uh, this, this morning I started a service with the passage from Lamentations, and it talks about the new mercies. And I think it'll be, it'll be good to, to, to develop a little bit that that idea today as we explore some of the, of the characters. But, but the Father's new mercies, what, does it, what do we mean when we say the word mercy? I remember a Bible school teacher trying to explain to us um, the difference between grace and mercy. And I think I, I, have, I have shared this before, so excuse me if you hear it again. But, but the, the difference was that is we get things that we don't deserve and when we don't get things that we deserve. <laughs> it's a play on words. I'll say it again. I, I want to get it right again. Uh, grace is when we receive things that we don't deserve. And mercy is when we don't receive the things that we deserve. All with me? Great. Just to let you know as well that in your little tables, you've got two little bookmarks. One is about the week of prayer. And throughout the series, also we have previewed produced bookmarks, so if God draws your attention to something particular, make note and take it with you. So, the first 
character we're going to be talking about and thinking about is Moses. Um, now, it's very hard to pin down which part of Moses' life there was opportunities for new starts. Uh, and I, I've looked at three or four and negotiated, and I thought, why not? Let's go for this one. Um, let's go in the time when Moses receives his call from God. If you've got your Bibles, can you open them with me in Exodus chapter 3? And if you wanted to get a clearer picture of what's going on, maybe it is better that uh, this afternoon you spend some time reading from Exodus chapter 1 to verses 3 to chapter 3, but I'll wrap it up. So we've got uh, a people who have been living in slavery, and uh, in the same time, this group of people have been enjoying a promise of God that is going to be their God and they're going to be their people, and yet they're facing this, this terrible experience because of the way that they've been treated, their relationship with God. And they're now um, under scrutiny under the Egyptians' rule, and this is a time where God wants to deliver them as people. And he is going to, to find people amongst these people who are going to, 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 to listen to what God is saying, respond to that, and act on, upon that. So um, the way Moses is, um, is preserved in, in all of this, is, it's amazing. So that could be a new beginning, kind of a new start. But the, the way that Moses is, is called is, is interesting here. Um, we've got somebody who has been in trouble because of his, the way that he has behaved. We've got somebody who has really fleed in Midian because he's killed somebody. And at the same time, we've got this same person who's got this clear revelation of God speaking to him to be used. And God calls him, and he speaks very clearly, and we know the story of the burning bush, where God reveals who he is, and he calls Moses by name, and then he calls him to to do this task of delivering his people from Egypt to the land that he has promised them. So Moses has got this opportunity for a new start. Moses has got this opportunity for a new start, not only for himself when where he was in his relationship with God, but he's got an opportunity for a new start for the people of God. And all we see here in the way that Moses engages with God is that Moses has got questions. If you look at chapter 3, verses 11, verses 13, and four, chapter 4, verses 1, there are three big questions 
that Moses asks. The first question is, who am I? The second question is, who are you, God? And the third question is, what if? The task that God has asked Moses to to, to accomplish is quite overwhelming. And no wonder Moses has got questions. But this is an opportunity for Moses to tune his heart with God's heart and to remind himself that actually it is not him who's going to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. It is God. All he has to do is to submit and to come to to alignment, to tune his heart, to, to embrace that God is a God of the broken and say, yes, Lord. The task is very overwhelming. I mean, who, who, you, you look back at the, I mean, it's great to see um, things in retrospect. It's just, look at the people of Israel. Who wants to lead them, really? And, you know, you look at Moses and you think, I don't blame you, mate. You probably know your own people very well. And, and, and sometimes you can identify with him uh, because you think, well, what an overwhelming task. But it's good that, that, that Moses is able, that in his approach and engagement with God, he's able to ask those questions. Who am I? Who are you? And what if? And perhaps in our our address, when God is inviting us to, to, to embrace the newness of life, perhaps we ought to ask those questions. And those questions are not to to encourage doubt. I think those questions are to to build firm foundations. So when you look back, you say, well, actually, who am I? Well, I'm the son. I'm the daughter of the living God. Who is he? He is God Almighty. And what if? Well, what if? And if you can see, those, those three questions are necessary to, 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 to go back, to bring us to, so that what if questions brings us back to square one to know who we are and who God is. So when we're talking about a new start for Moses, we're talking about Moses tuning his heart with God's to see that actually it's impossible to lead God's people from the human perspective. But if God is in it, those people are going to go out of Egypt to the promised land. And what if? Well, that's God's business. Moses, I want you 
to embrace the new start. I don't think it's wrong to have questions. Actually, it's good. It shows that our God is an approachable God. The thing is, what do we do as a result of the answers that we have received from God? And if the God is saying that I am in charge and I'm going to do this, then we need to join hands with him. I cannot think of this story of Moses and uh, cannot go back, and probably you have heard this story, but I cannot think, I cannot, yeah, deny the fact in my mind that I have met people in my life who, regardless of how tough the situation where God had called them to, that in the midst of their questions, they have found the strength to be what God has been wanting them to do. Um, I've just returned from Albania, and um, I was there from Tuesday to Friday, lots of meetings, but still meeting with people who have been there since 1992. And they've been there simply because God has called them to leave their home country and go and tell Jesus, share Jesus with people in Albania. They're still going strong. They're still planting churches. They're still doing what God has told them because, you know, that's where, that's where God has called them. If you ask them how easy it has been, that's a different question. But they keep coming back to this truth of who they are in God who their God is, and the what-ifs they trust God to sort that out. Let's move on to our next character, another very popular character. We, we look, we, we've, we looked at him in detail maybe two years ago, but it's, it's Jonah. Jonah had an opportunity, not only a new start for himself, but for a people who didn't know their left from their right. That's how the Bible explains uh, the, the, the way that they were, that, that, that's how they were um, described by, by God. Now, the, the, the phrase that I've used there is Jonah and his piety, because we're not going to be talking about how Jonah was spat out of the, uh, the, the fish's mouth and what have you, We're going to talk about an attitude that Jonah had. Jonah had been asked as a prophet to go and preach to Nineveh so they could come back to God, so they could repent. And in his negotiations, Jonah declined God's call. And we know that there were consequences for that. You read chapter 3, Jonah is out of the fish's mouth, and then he realizes that actually God is going to do something in Nineveh. That's because Jonah preaches the shortest sermon on earth. And 
to his surprise, the people of Nineveh repent. And I've said here Jonah and his piety because actually Jonah is confused here. He knows that if he preaches, these people of Nineveh, of Assyria, who has been terrible to the Israelites, they, they don't deserve to be saved. And he cannot reconcile with the fact that actually God is the God of the broken. And whoever turns to him on his term will be accepted. And he's so pious that he thinks, well, none of the people around him deserve to experience God's salvation. And he, not only he experienced God's salvation, but he becomes grumpy because God is being God. And in this instance, Jonah wants to be God. And he wants to show the Assyrians, the Ninevites, what they deserve. An opportunity for a new beginning. A choice to make in the midst of actually when our hearts doesn't tune with God's hearts and we are confused. But the invitation in here is to stop being God and let God be God. As I said earlier on, I was in Albania this week. I'm so thankful to each and every one of you who have prayed for me. And on Thursday morning, uh, we were walking into a situation that was very tough uh, pastoring. And um, I was praying in the morning, I read the scriptures, and um, one of the things that came to my mind was Maki, step back and stop God, stop being God and let God to be God in this situation. It was a very sober truth. So um, it's very rare that I remain silent and quiet. But I thought, God, I will listen and I trust you have got a solution for this situation. And it's amazing how God steps in when you do what he tells you to do. Jonah, Maki, perhaps you, and the opportunities for new start wants to be in God and wants you want to be in charge and in control. And God says, I've got it all sorted out. Salvation belongs to me for Nineveh. I am the author of salvation, says God. And I think it's that sense of entitlement that I've spoken before, but, but when we're in our dealings with God, that, that actually stops me to experience this new life, this newness of life that God has got 
on offer for me. So we've talked about Moses' questions, Jonah's piety or confusion and wanting to be God and in charge. Thank goodness he was not. Now we're going to go to another example, and that example is of David. Now, David is one of the key leaders of the Old Testament. Uh, God describes David as a man after his own heart. And David has messed about. He's done things in secret to which a prophet of God brings to his attention. Otherwise, it would have been covered and no, nothing would have happened. But because he's a man after God's own heart, God is going to be dealing with him. So David has, has sinned. He has misused his power. He, in his dealings with covering the sin of sleeping with Bathsheba, he continues to misuse his power by lying and by killing Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And God gets his attention by the prophet Nathan just to give him a second chance, just to give him an opportunity of a new start. Let's open together Psalm 51 and see David's response. This is written after the prophet has, has actually given him a parable for David to identify and say how unfair it is for that, that story to happen. And then Nathan addresses his story by using this parable. And then as we've got it written on the top of Psalm 51, it says, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And this is, this is David's embracing the new start. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And then it goes on. And then we're going to touch this a little bit more, but part of David's prayer is, Create in me a new heart, a pure heart of God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I said it was a misuse of power. It was a misplacement of God. But here we've got David confronted by God. And he says, God, I have failed miserably. I have messed up. Even it was all in secret. And here I am. 
wanting to embrace this new start. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation that you've given me. So here we've got three different stories. We said Moses was overwhelmed and he ought to tune his heart with what God's heart was. We, had jo- we got reminded of Jonah and the way that he could not tune his heart and his compassion with God's compassion for the people of Nineveh. We've got David who is really struck by the idea that the mercies of God are new and therefore he's going to embrace that. Where does that leave us as Cairns Road? Where does that leave us as individuals? And I think part, part of this series has been very clearly, we see that God is, is, is calling us as a church to actually to reclaim. It's a bit like those questions that Moses asked. Who am I who God is? Um, and then, uh, sorry, to recall, to reclaim, and to respond. And, and on, your, on your little bookmarks, you've got that opportunity. And perhaps, perhaps you're sitting here today, and perhaps you are overwhelmed by, by even the whole idea of a new start. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're confused and you, you've realized that you want to be God because you want to be in charge. Perhaps you're sitting here today and there is something that you think, if I want to embrace this new life, there is something that I have done in secret. Well, God wants to give us all a new start, regardless where you are. Perhaps as a result of last Sunday's message or last Sunday's uh, challenge, you have already started this new start, and I want to cheer you on. But we've got an opportunity today. And we have sang that I want to come back to the heart of worship because it's all about you, Jesus. And you are the one who's looking into my heart. And I'm very sorry for the things that I have made it. Which brings us very nicely to the communion. The question is not whether you want a new start or not. The question is, how are you going to embrace this newness of life that God has got in offer for each and every one of you? And this is not prescriptive, guys. Because God treats us as individuals. And he wants to do business with each and every one of us because he wants to give us a newness of life.
Today we've got an opportunity to remember that in order for him to offer this newness of life, he went to the cross. He was buried and he resurrected. And he's going to come again. So this newness of life, as, as we said last week, and I remind it again, it's a costly thing for God. It's free for us. So what are the truths that you are going to recall, reclaim, and respond to as you come to the table? I'm going to leave some space now for us to be thinking a little bit about things that God has drawn our attention to. Maybe I'll leave some space even for you to fill out those forms. But as we come to the table, today we're going to come, and I'd love to serve it to you, but as we come to the table, our attitude is, God, on our own, we're not able, but by your Spirit, we want the newness of life that you can offer. Glory to you, God.